It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Now, it may be the title to an ACDC song, but it's an adage that never wanes through the years despite the growing impotency of the music biz. When a band starts out, however many stars they may have in their eyes, and no matter how much talent they may possess, all bands, big or small, upon formation, have a long, long road in front of them. Now, whether that road is slogging it out in local clubs for years in obscurity, or literally getting in a van and driving on one, the road will break us all. Tenacity over talent is what ultimately determines the winners and losers of the rock and roll game. The world is filled with countless bands that were full of musical talent and went nowhere. And what we usually get left with are the bands that were too stupid, too stubborn, or sometimes too self-assured to quit. Sooner or later, if a band does manage to stick around, all the cliches will make their inevitable appearance. Drama, bullshit, and ineptitude are just par for the course when your work requires you to quote-unquote play. When we started our band and started touring, it didn't take me long to figure out that in order for me to keep doing what I love to do, namely playing rock, I had to avoid the usual pitfalls that I had watched ensnare others. Keeping a cool head, avoiding certain company, and keeping my wits about me ultimately kept me out of trouble and out on the road. But no matter how cautious or how diligent we were, there was always one assured bump in the road. The border. Crossing borders remains the most nerve-wracking, unsettling experience one goes through when touring, and, depending on where your tour takes you, happens constantly. We live in a heightened post-9-11 world, and suspicion is abound at airports, train stations, border crossings, and passport controls, places where we end up frequenting quite a bit. I am well aware of this, maybe too aware. And even though I have absolutely nothing to hide with a completely 100% clean record, knowing border guards have my well-being and career in their hands, I get nervous for usually no reason at all. Maybe it's because I feel most people have a very narrow-minded, cliched idea of musicians, especially ones that play rock and roll. So when asked by security, I usually say I play music rather than rock and roll. I don't wear any shirts with upside-down crosses when I fly. I keep my head down, but not too low to attract suspicion, and I always answer politely back. If I'm able to lob over a courteous smile or laugh, all the better. At the end of the day, they're just doing their job, and I want to be allowed to do mine. Over the years, we've accumulated quite a few border stories, but no one to ever really understand and empathize with us. That is until an old friend of mine reached out wanting to interview me for a book he was working on about bands crossing borders, and... Right there, I realized we weren't the only ones. In fact, compared to other bands and their stories, we've been quite fortunate. I have known Kevin Stewart Panko, this episode's guest, since I was 14 years old, and you'll hear all about our friendship soon enough. Being a freelance writer, Kevin's written for many esteemed magazines, but I most enjoyed his Doomhall zine he used to do a long time ago, filled with CD reviews, interviews, and general hilarity about mostly metal, with some rock and rap thrown in. Kevin's quite the writer, and being that he writes for Terrorizer, of which I am a devout reader despite them shitting on our band in past issues, always scour its pages to read his articles first. 
Now Kevin stepped into the spotlight with his first book, Do You Have Anything to Declare? Co-written by Justin Smith and out on Vitriol Records, available at the vitriolrecords.com website or through the Revelation Records website or through the Death Wish Incorporated website. Do You Have Anything to Declare is uh, an oral history, if you will, documenting experiences with border guards, customs officials, and the general hijinks that can take place when traveling around the globe from a metal musician's perspective. Every musician in all musics, if they tour enough, accumulate tour stories. But I've always found metal musicians to have the most hilarious, extreme, ridiculous ones, partly due to the outsider status they automatically assume. This is a fine tome which I would press everyone to read, whether you've been on the road and can empathize with the stories recounted here or want a taste of what it's like to be on the road. Reading this book had me putting it down several times because of how close to home it hit and how very real and scary some stories were. And an exhaustive amount of bands are represented here to give the reader a qualitative impression of a touring musician's life. Everyone from Red Fang, Skeleton Witch, Misery Index, and God Forbid, to Fear Factory, Disfear, Atheist, Coroner, and Meshuggah, to yours truly, just to mention a few. Nick Flanagan and I sat down with Kevin recently to obviously discuss the book, but what usually happens when I see Kevin is just a bunch of laughs, usually at some band's expense. I'd like to thank Blue Mic Microphones and their Yeti Mics for supporting this podcast. I'd like to thank Skull Candy Headphones for supporting this podcast. And to everyone who has reached out to me via Twitter, Facebook, or left a message on iTunes or SoundCloud about the podcast, thank you very much and keep them coming. Okay, Kevin Stewart Panko is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. Two weekends ago, or last weekend, I got a text from a friend of mine, just out of the blue. Dude, Cut Loose and Mad Dog are here at the Rock Pile at the Pat Travers Show. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, him and a buddy went to see Pat Travers at the Rock Pile, and the Mad, you know, Anvil's big fans, mm. Mad Dog, Mad right, Cut Loose. Right, right, We're in attendance, man. All the community leaders are out that night, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought one of them died. I don't know. I know the guy. <laughs> I don't know what his, his, his maybe he's Mad Dog. The guy he's got a he's in the movie and yeah. he's got a mustache. He's always usually wearing a hockey jersey that's No, that's an cut anvil. that's cut loose. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> he's the guy who looks like that character actor, right? With the mustache and the yeah, puffy yeah. face. The guy, the guy who owns the telemarketing yeah. place that the dude from Anvil went to work at for like a day. Oh my god. Yeah, that's cut loose. Right. Oh, I see. So that's the connection. I see that guy at all the shows. Do you think Anvil are still making um like, do you think they're back to sort of like having a hard time? <laughs> yes. Have you heard the new record? Um, well, that's that's oh, the, I, I, that's the inevitable Anvil question at all times. Yeah, like, okay, so and, and the answer is always maybe we're, not. We're a few. We're into the podcast now. Yeah. I think we should introduce our guest here. Sounds fair. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, well, Kevin Hi. Stewart Panko is me. our guest today. He, uh, him, and I grew up together. Nice. He just came up with came out with a book called "Do You Have Anything to Declare," and it's uh, it's a book about crossing borders, all borders, all over the place. 
um, if you're in a band. And it's just uh, testimonials, stories, quips uh, of, from all kinds of bands that run the kind of uh, the metal, underground, hardcore uh, part of the spectrum. Chips Nuff, quoted. <laughs> <laughs> he quoted. I tried. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hard one to nail down. It's everyone from, uh, you know, Chris Callahan from Burning Love, yeah. uh, Burton C. Bell, Fear Factory's in it. Right. Um, do you make an appearance? I do. Mm. I'm probably the lightest band <laughs> uh, representing. No, no, no. The dude from that band, Judge Jackson, who I've never. I don't know who that they're is. They're just some rock band from. Okay. The guys, I don't know. There's a story behind like how he got involved. Was I just sent out like a whatever, a cow call to a bunch of press people saying, hey, I'm doing this book. Is any, do you know anybody who you work with that wants to mm. contribute or has stories? And I just, I don't know, got in touch with this guy somehow, and he had this crazy story. And apparently he's originally from, like, Toronto, Peterborough, whatever, and now he lives in L.A. Sweet. He plays in some rock band. There's rock, rock and roll. <laughs> well, so Kevin's a drummer play with a gavel. That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> okay, so so Kevin and I, uh, whether people know it or not, and most people don't, grew up kind of across, the, literally across the street from one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both went to uh, high schools that were what rival school, rival, rival school, rival school. That's what yeah, you call it. Uh, we but and we didn't say a word to each other all throughout <laughs> high school, <laughs> right. even though we both knew we were both into metal. Mm-hmm. But you and, were from the schools across the street, so it was more of just like an acknowledgement of being. Well, we'd well, see each other on the bus, and I'd be like, right. you know, it'd be like, hey, I see this dude with like just as many badly ba- drawn band logos on his school sure. bag as mine. <laughs> yeah, but I just never, because I'm a social retard, never really talked yeah. to him. And I sort of am too. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And plus, I knew that you know from Kevin's taste in music, just through his badges and his pins, <clears throat> they were harder and oh. a little. Off the beaten path than mine, right? And then so what I are we talking we, here? We both you went got, to um, we both Italian went, the Saints. <laughs> we both went to Maybe. York, <laughs> probably. Yeah. We both ended up at York University to get together. And my first day at York, which was probably your second year, you just yeah, I think it was like a year ahead. Yeah, of you, yeah, then you just like after like I don't know six years of silence, <laughs> you just I remember the moment too. You just we got off the Steels bus and you just went. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> After six or seven years of total silence <laughs> to each other, and then that's well, how you were just getting comfortable, you know. We're just well, I guess we were, you know, we were both out of our. Yeah, dude, we were going to university where there's, you know, yeah, we were looking. We were, oh, you we were, were university. <laughs> desperate, we were already desperate for friends, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Seriously, and you have to remember that, that. where we were going, where we ended up going to university was nowhere near where we lived, so it's not like we knew anybody. No, so New York, like, right? Yeah, but yep. we lived on the like, so you're other in end Scarborough of the city. And you're going to York. That's like yeah, we lived insane. on the other end yeah. of the city. York so is on the west like, end. Kevin yeah. and I were from the east end. Yeah, and then after that, uh, you know, we would see each other at shows and everything, and when saw I, each other's bad bands play. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's uh, I don't know how we we've always kind of been in touch with each other. Uh, every few years or so, we'd bump into each other. Yeah, and then when you were doing that radio show at York, I'd come down once in a while and hang yeah. out. Did I talk about this already on your on your podcast about just how CHRW that that station was like this mythical station to me when I was CHRY CHRY sorry um, <laughs> the, the station who I, whose numbers I don't remember was mythical <laughs> to me that was mythical too uh, yeah no wonder I couldn't ever hear it. 
But uh, it was like everyone I knew, all no, not people I knew, people I knew of, friends of friends who I knew had good taste, all had radio shows on it. And the signal was so weak that you yeah, couldn't hear it, it was. from downtown. So I'd be like, you know, it was just a bunch of people who I knew liked all of the good music. And I couldn't actually access it ever. And I'd have, but I mean, the other stations were good, but this one was just all these people I sort of knew. So it was exciting. Another thing that I, I should mention about you is even though we were, bo- we're both in, we were both into metal, are still into metal, I think our tastes are, are like almost completely opposite. And I remember this one time, this is, here's an example of what I mean. I don't know how true that is, but I'll let you finish your story. <laughs> I, was, I was at the HMV. And this is like a month or a few weeks after 9-11. So I was there to buy God Hates Us All. I ran into you. And and you go, hey, how's it going? I go, hey, good. What are you buying? And I showed you God Hates Us All. Kevin couldn't stop laughing. Really? At my selection. (laughs) You couldn't stop laughing. Really? Really? Yeah. You couldn't stop laughing. I didn't know I was such a jerk, man. (laughs) I was just like, well, if it was anyone else, I would go like, hey. After 9-11, none of us could who stop was laughing. laughing at me, and I took it. <laughs> and, Sorry, uh, I didn't want to spit water on your mic. <laughs> no, you should. It's sponsored. And that's pretty much how it's been. I mean, I think I think the kinds of bands you you, you were into, uh, not me, not so much. So I what are we talking that's, about That's here? not true, man, because I think, like, I mean, I, I have, it's almost like the, what do you call it, the Wizard of Oz, well, maybe not that that extreme but it's like the facade of like everything i everything exterior is all like super aggressive super extreme noisy whatever but i listen to a lot of crap <laughs> i listen not, to a lot of not so much uh noisy and extreme but like thought industry can't get into it oh okay so you're just yeah all right the parallels the were, beyond couldn't you get couldn't into get it. <laughs> <laughs> i was just listening to them the other day <laughs> that's like your favorite band in the world favorite right? band of all time i know dude. i know i know <laughs> And you're trying to sell me on it, and I was just... Uh, well, you're like, God hates us all, dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was really... I gave it a the good the good try, the, the good college, co- college try, <laughs> but well, I couldn't well, get into it. You laughing at God hates us all. Now, were you laughing at the fact that you were buying God hates us all around 9-11? Were you bu- no, no, it wasn't you, that at all. You were just laughing at the I, fact of buying like the later Slayer? I have to admit that out. I don't even remember laughing. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it probably had something to do with anything past South of Heaven. The yeah. same reason I was laughing. Yeah. The same reason I was laughing at uh, Matt Harvey from Exhumed recently when he told me that he thought the Black Album was better than Kill 'Em All. That's hilarious. I was like, dude, no. That's <laughs> like, oh, we, this conversation's over. <laughs> yeah, we we don't have to get into that on this podcast. We either. load. I mean, that's cool. That's I've never even heard, the never even heard it. I can't even. I just. I don't I, even, <laughs> However, I must say that I... Did you see the video of them at the Orion Festival playing Kill Em All from start to finish? No. It was actually really good. I was impressed. And then at the end... And I think even Metallica get it because at the end, Lars gets up on a mic and he's like, all right, next up, reload, start to finish. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have a... a You guys have a connection. Um... You used to be in Teen Crud Combo, sang, Nick. Sang in Teen Crud Combo. And your drummer was Mark Jarrett. Mark Jarrett. And Kevin used, used to do a, a fanzine called, a really great fanzine called Doom Hauled with oh, yeah. Mark Jarrett. Wasn't there, there also a band Jarrett. called Doom Hall? No. No, Keel Hall. I'm thinking of Keel, Keel Hall. Hall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
And I used to hang out in Mark's house a lot. Oh. <laughs> Mark used to be out the out in the east too. Did right? he live alone? He, uh, Most of the when time. When I first he met him, he had a couple alone. roommates, and then when and then he moved out of there and he lived alone. Yeah. Yeah, Mark used to hang out there all like a bunch of us always used to hang out there, listen to the music. Mark was always really fun to hang out with because he had a pretty good taste in music. Yeah. And uh, just sort of was a no nonsense guy. Yeah. But like he was into laughing, which I guess relates (laughs) relates to nonsense. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I just mean. Do you have anything to declare is, I think, a book that if you want to start a band, and you and you're Read thinking this of this fucking book first. <laughs> yeah. And you're thinking of leaving your uh, leaving yeah, your yeah. country to. If you're like, I can't wait to tour. <laughs> if you want to play countries. more than the talent show. <laughs> if you're not from the United States, <laughs> you know. I had to honestly. Uh, there was parts of this book where I just had to like just fast forward because it was just getting too scary and too real. Look, I wouldn't want to read. So that's true. I'd be like really freaked out to read a couple. Will will really turn you paranoid about crossing borders. I'm I'm uh, you know very a nervous individual to begin with yeah and i'm like i remember reading a, a there's one little story that the dude from forbidden told about russ and how he's such a the singer from forbidden's just a naturally gets super nervous when he when he when he's meets authority figures mm-hmm. he almost fucked up their crossing <laughs> from what was coming out of his mouth um i'm I kinda, i'm kind of like that completely innocent yeah. but when i see a, a guy in a uniform border guard I get super nervous for no reason at all. Well, it's not for no reason. They're, they literally have, like, your life in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a way. Um, and what, what got me thinking about this book was a lot of the bands that you interviewed for this book, they look like dirtbags, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They, re, they just, you look at them, and if you weren't really versed in the world of, you know, the underground metal hardcore scene... You would think that they were doing something other than, you know, right. they were, and you guys are coming here to audition for Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And a I lot of, the, you know, border crossing guards are just like regular mainstream people plucked out into these jobs. And that's how they view them. I would be interested to know what a similar book would be if it was just all indie bands. Would they uh, have the same stories? The I think same that I think that stories? I think that there's a haughtiness to music, certain musicians that transcends genre and that can get you in trouble at the border, no matter who you are. Yeah, and there's <laughs> some of those seeds were. I so think there's good. two ways of looking at that, though. There's like there's a story in there about the dude from uh, the Atlas Moth. His girlfriend, ex girlfriend, is a DJ, mm-hmm. and. She came up here to play some MTV Canada thing and do like a few shows. So she didn't bother to, you know, yeah. whatever, go through official channels. And she's not carrying any gear. She's not a musician. She's not like carrying guitars and drums, whatever. Yeah. She's a DJ. So she's probably what? Records. Got like a laptop and maybe mm-hmm. a few records. And she got nailed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to guess that she didn't look like a dirtbag if she's like doing like house music and whatever, mm-hmm. right? So um, yeah. there's that. But there's also, I mean, if. This is the way I look at it, man. If you're truly, truly hiding something and have some nefarious sort of intent, are you going to, like, make yourself stand out by looking like a dirtbag? No. You know what I mean? Like, if you wanted to, like, truly, truly do something, um, whatever, like, evil, even if you're just smuggling, like, have the weed on you or something, you're going to try and make yourself look as most, you know, as most sort of mainstream, normal, presentable as possible. Mm -hmm. So I think, like... One of the issues here is that a lot of these bands who look like dirtbags, you know, well, you look like a dirtbag after being however long on the road because you haven't showered, you haven't shaved, and, you know, whatever. Well, that's you what I mean, too. And you whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I forgot what I was gonna say. These indie bands are probably the people coming over, stabbing people in small towns. <laughs> well, no, I think like the border guard. I think if anybody who's in a posi- in that position or a border guard's position needs to look at that and go, okay, well, I mean, these people are just trying to play music. I mean, uh-huh. they're trying to play music as a career. Are they going to try and do anything that's going to fuck that up? I mean, my guess is that they're looking. Probably not. They're looking for two things. They are looking. I mean, border guards are so weird, right? So if you are, if you do look like like have that classic band look, they might actually be so tickled pink by dealing with that, and it's like a nice change from just all of the boredom that yeah. they just like let you through, and they're kind of stoked. I mean, I've, I've like I feel like I've seen that happen, you know? Yeah. And then you've got the other side where it's like they're either watching they they are watching for like what you look like, and they're going to give you a harder time if you got like a knuckle tattoo, you know? One of the issues, you know, one of the things. I mean, this book wasn't designed to make a point. Yeah. It kind of does, but it, it wasn't. I was it, say it, it still does. It though. does, but it wasn't designed that way. And I think one of the things that one of the points that does come sort of shining through is that um, no matter who you are, what you do, if you're going through official channels or if you're trying to like do it under the radar, do a DIY or whatever, it all kind of depends on what border guard sort of meets you at the border. Like depends on who you end up dealing with that day. Okay, so the whole thing came about stories about how everyone knows how Canada is kind of like the toughest country to get into if you're a band. So weird. All right. That's how it started. But then, you know, like I think it was like the first or second or third interview I did was with uh, one of the dudes in the band Atheist. And he had this awesome story <laughs> yeah, about like I read that. this whole this thing about this, just this day long odyssey that happened to them in Germany. And I'm like, OK, well, there's obviously some stories out there that just aren't pertaining to going strictly into Canada. Oh, yeah. And then. As I started doing more and more interviews, it started to sort of come clear that a lot of bands that are from the U.S. are starting to, like, I guess it's since 9-11, but especially in the last, like, three or four years, are starting to get hassled coming home. Huh. So there's that. So, you know, each chapter has a different theme. There's one chapter that's all about crossing into Canada. There's one chapter about U.S. bands going home. There's one chapter about touring Europe. There's one chapter about um, shakedowns in Eastern Europe and stuff like that. There's a chapter about... Dealing with drug dogs. Yeah. There's a whole um, chapter on dogs. And yeah. then the, the intro for every chapter before the quotes start is, is like a, a back history on that. And there's like a whole back history on dogs. The history of drug dogs. I had a thing. I had a thing at the um, Macedonia to Serb- Serbia border <laughs> on, on in a car. And I mean, there were no drug dogs. There were just like wild dogs at the border. Have you yeah, ever had that where you're oh, passing yeah, through yeah. a European <laughs> country and there's just like wild dogs at the border? And the guy found um, rolling papers, like which were I bought actually for cigarettes because that's actually more standard in in Europe. And uh, he found them, and and he was like, he made everybody, all the guys and not the, the woman, pull down our pants in front of him. And <laughs> he kept God, on asking me damn. about drugs, you know, and tried to do this whole thing. He was like a totally like the generic. Eastern European border guard, I corrupt border guard, like sort of like puffy face, you know, and mm-hmm. and he gave me such a hard time. He's like, Coke, cocaine, <laughs> marijuana, ecstasy, cocaine, cocaine, <laughs> cocaine. And I, I was just like, no, no, no. And then at the end of it, he, you know, after probably an hour or no, a couple of hours, he probably let us through. And then he just stood in front of my window and like just smoked a cigarette in front of me before sending me away, like silently <laughs> stared at me while smoking a cigarette. It was insane. And then we got to Serbia, and and like we went into the gas station, and the guy at the gas station serving us had like those like kind of like 
horns coming out of his forehead. You know that like genetic oh, thing. Like, well, oh, like oh, a teeth, sorry, teeth like coming out of his forehead a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, right. you, you know, the, the, know, like crazy. <laughs> and I was just like, I gotta leave Serbia. <laughs> was it like a Halloween costume? Or no, it's no, like no, a real thing like, that can happen to you. It's like um, it's like having a tumor. Something grows something. out of your yeah. bone at the yeah. at the crown of your skull. At I've the, never seen that. Never seen it. It's I, pretty rare. It looks like horns, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not. Yeah, it's one of those. You're not, you're not going to see it every day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I guess in a country like that, the guy's not going in for plastic surgery. No. And then but, um, I was really worried, and then Serbia was actually kind of cool, but I was pretty freaked out. Well, that's how it usually, usually ends. Yeah. It's like uh, you get the shakedown, and then the shows are cool. Yeah. And the way it usually ends is that no matter how horrifying the story is, a couple of years down the line, you're. You're going, hey, dude, I got a story for you. Yeah. Awesome. And you're laughing about it. Well, nobody got hurt. I don't think we had to pay a, a fine. It just, stuff was just really weird in, in that end of things when it was like Macedonia and Serbia. Like, I remember Macedonia. That scared the hell out of me. Yeah. The, the thing about a lot of the stories and quotes and complaints from a lot of the bands <laughs> in the book, I can, I can pinpoint the exact moment where they fucked up. Yeah. They fucked up. It had nothing to do with the crossing guard or the border guard. <laughs> the crossing, crossing guard. guard. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the border guard. The stop right. sign. It had everything to do with them. Like, I mean, there's this, I can't remember the band, but they all, like, I don't know, uh, more than half of them had DUIs on the records. Right. But the border guards were, were getting mad at them because they weren't taking oh, the proper steps. That's, that's, the, that's the story where I, when I was with Exhumed. That was exhumed. Oh, so that's that's the story. me. Well, that, that was me, the last but story. That's, yeah, that's the one I was with. Okay. There's, There's so experience. many stories I got, conf- yeah, got yeah. confused. It all just comes well. In. Here's but, the thing, though. It's, but I'm just saying, like, okay, they're pissed off at you guys, but they're also pissed off because they're trying to help you and you're not listening to them. Yeah, I, 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 I can understand that in one sense, but in another sense, it's also that um, in the states, especially, man. I mean, the hoops you have to jump through to like get. Okay, your I get record it. clear. It's like you know, the you, you got to go to the FBI. You have to go to immigration lawyers or whatever. And apparently, there's a, a regulation or whatever you want to call it, statute or law that's supposed to be like if you get um, if your record is expunged, it's supposed to be expunged across the board. But what happens is apparently that stuff shows up on a lot of other Canadian, countries. No, well, strictly. Pretty much strictly Canada. You never hear of bands having problems getting into Europe. So stuff is expunged, but they don't but necessarily go the up. extra step of being like calling every country and saying it's not like, fully when this expunged. Comes, yeah. Basically, yeah, basically update it's not this person's yeah. record. I don't. I have yeah. no idea. I don't. I. I've never. I have a clean record personally. <laughs> I don't know. How to, I don't know. I've never had to do with any of this stuff. I don't know what you have to do. All I. This is. I'm just kind of going but on what I've heard. Don't the you, funny thing is, uh-huh. though. And I'm sorry. No, it's all right. The funny thing is, is on that same tour, the Exhumed tour, where we were denied entry into. Canada, which is funny. Cause I always always find it hilarious how I was denied entry to come home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one like, of the other scariest. dudes who was traveling with uh, one of the other bands on the tour told me before the Canadian shows was that a few years ago or however long ago, he was fa- he was like up for prison time. He never said what he did. I'm not going to mention like who he is, whatever, what, you know, who yeah. he was traveling. But he mentioned, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was, you know, whatever. He he almost basically went to prison. And he basically paid a shitload of money to some form of immigration lawyer and got his record cleared. And he had no problem getting into the country on both times of that tour went into Canada, that same tour. I mean, you'd think a guy potentially facing prison time is a lot more 
Right. A lot more sort of sketchy than a guy with a DUI from 15 years ago. When you're not at home, it's like trying to deal with yeah, you can't mailing stuff out to this yeah. lawyer, this immigration, whatever, you know, the government. You know, government at the best of times works like molasses paste. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not a band that has assistance. You're not like molasses paste. Uh, like you're not a band that Green Day, you know, don't have to worry People don't about realize that, that when you're yeah. on the road... Uh, the hierarchy of needs shift greatly. I yeah. mean, the, the the greatest thing is looking for a bath. Yeah, yeah exactly. for a washroom. That's number one, <laughs> and that sometimes takes an hour and a half of your day. If you know, and you're still a, and you're still doing the hovering move, man. <laughs> you know? oh, we can get into that, yeah, yeah for sure. No, no I just I, I, I just like to rip out every page of an encyclopedia and put it on the toilet seat and then sit on it. Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sitting on anything. I'm, I'm not sitting I'm on constantly. The, my thigh muscles are so strong. Yeah. <laughs> after, like, after like a two or two or three week tour, I'm ready to like. Do you think that? Do you think that a six week, six to eight week tour of like a band that's like a van touring in a van level band? Do you think that that's like basically like living, like just like a prison style lifestyle? Yeah. Actually, you know what? You know? And this is interesting. This is something I noticed on the last tour I was on. Complete it's, with the shower dropping, no, no, soap no, no. dropping. The uh, <laughs> we were in a van. The other bands were in tour buses. Mm-hmm. It's actually, and I'm sure you probably know this. It's actually a lot less restrictive when you're in a van than you are in a tour bus because, and this is why I say this: you're in a tour bus. You're kind of like you can't really. I mean, on days off, especially, you can't really go anywhere or do anything unless you're, you know, unless you have like a long drive. But it's like. You know, when you're when you're in a van, it's like, okay, well, we can drive the buddy's house and crash over here. We can, you know, go to this. You're, we can drive on a bus. Or whatever. On mm-hmm. a bus, you're like, you're trapped. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a, yeah. a cab and, to wherever you need to and go. And days off, it's like, if you have a day off, I remember we had a day off, and it was like, the, it was like, you know, the band drove halfway the one night. It was like a drive day, basically. They drove halfway one night, and we're going to do the other half the next night. And they were like basically parked at a shopping mall in Biloxi, Mississippi, yeah. or whatever, for a day. Yeah. And it's like, well, we were hanging out in Florida. <laughs> no, no, like no. I mean, beach and going to wherever. And then we just drove, you know, drove, did the requisite drive as we did the drive. Even with me, I have been on one quote bus tour. It wasn't a luxury bus whatsoever. In fact, it was a converted, it was a, a school bus. Right. And uh, that was easily the most str- stressful. Oh, touring school bus. experience. Yeah, that's not with a like bus tour. eighteen other people. That's that's a school bus tour. That's a different <laughs> that's, uh, situation. Yeah, that's not a real bus tour. That's not a real tour. I, I mean, let's go as far as but anyway, I, I mean, do my share of van tours and bus tours. I I mean, I will say, I mean, I prefer a bus because you can lie well, down. But in one uh, sense, it's more comfortable. Yeah. In another the, sense, you're restricted in what you can do when you're not on. But the bus. you don't so, care about walking around a exactly, city exactly yeah. because because that's what. Um, different shades, whether it's better or not for other people, yes, right. they want to kind of scour the city that they're in and be a little more mobile. For me, I can sit in one chair mm-hmm. as long as I have my laptop. I don't have to move a muscle. Yeah. So for me, it's fine. But also to get, I mean, to get to to the point where you've toured for say ten years and you still want to see the city, that well, takes like a real joie de vivre. Yeah, you know, that's not probably, everybody. That's probably has. why. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. You know, I don't need to see another church. <laughs> I know. But uh, no, I applaud people who who want to see the sights and go to the beach and all that stuff. But for me, I mean, especially like you know, in the hotter states. I well, that's true. Get too, the yeah. aircon going, and I'm yeah. I'm fine. 
We just played with Slayer uh, a couple of weeks ago in Switzerland. What's Kerry uh, King's skull circumference? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's the <laughs> diameter. Seems like he's got a giant head. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's just because it's shaved. You know? Well, he's really stocky, so yeah. you know, maybe that's what makes it bigger than it is. But I don't know. There is a funny story, though, that um, I don't uh, Carrie did um, an appearance on a Sum 41 album. Yeah. Right. In the video the as well. Solo, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's Brown Sound, who was a guitar player in the band. And so we were at Soundwave, but uh, and some forty one were there. So Kerry was aware that some forty one were there. However, I don't think he was aware that Dave is not in the band anymore. But, oh yeah, yeah. But Billy Talent was also on Soundwave, and so I was hanging out with Cone from Some Forty One and Ian Desa, the Indian dude from Billy Talent, and we're all talking. I see where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Kerry King goes right up to Ian. And he goes, hey, what's up, dude? What's going on? Only Ian. Hey, what's up, dude? What's going on? And walks away. And then I was like, at first I go, wow, like you got Kerry King to go right up to, he knows you? And and Ian goes, I've never met that guy in my life. And and then we just just said, oh, I get it. He thought you were brown sound. You guys had a brown moment. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing is, I bet you that that isn't even the first time that that's happened. You know? I like because I remember when Billy Talent came on, I was like, I don't know what my thinking was, but I was definitely like, oh, I see what they're doing. <laughs> you thought that it was a marketing ploy to get like, some 41 oh, fans? I, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I see. So these guys, you know, they decided to form a band in there because how some 41 have an Indian guy, the Indian guy decided to be in the band. It doesn't even make sense, but I definitely, that was like, you know, like what well, was a pretty funny moment. Arbitrary bad will towards bands is so <laughs> hilarious because we all make it. And then you kind of like think back to the one thing that makes you dislike a band. It's always like something I've since <laughs> as I've gotten older, learned to keep my mouth shut about bands because you meet a lot of them and they turn out to be really nice guys. And it's all everyone's the same. They just sound yeah, different I, than uh, people. I've gone on a couple of tours or like package tours and it's like. I invariably come home and it'll be like, what are you, you know, what are those guys like? Or what, you know, you're on tour with so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, awesome dudes. Awesome dudes. <laughs> I get off more on the fact that, wow, I, I, really, I wrote this band off and they turn out to be wicked dudes. And yeah. I, I, I get off and on that more. they do an obscure cover. I go buy all their records. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't take that step. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get a, a, a tattoo. I'm going to get a tattoo of them. Never mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's happened uh, many times over the years with bands, different bands and stuff. Um, and yeah, there's been occasional the occasion where I've kind of turned and I've just given them a second chance. Yeah, you yeah. know, listening to them differently now, like, oh, that's cool. I love it when so and so does that. He's so crazy. <laughs> the whole thing. What a clown! He does it on record too. <laughs> The whole thing is just like surprisingly it's mundane once you all kind of like <laughs> break it yeah, down. Totally true. You know, totally true. It's all just some weirdo coming up to you at a show, being like, "Oh, it's cool, man." <laughs> That's, music. That's all you do it for. That's all. I do. Yeah, you get basically. I mean, if you're to whittle it down to its nub. But, uh, but um, yeah, um, have we gotten far away from the border element? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Let's run back to the border. <laughs> yeah, getting back to the book. I mean, um, uh, I think people will will be interested in just the bands that were chosen or 
uh, in the book who were just selected to be in the book. Like, um, I'm fans of a lot of these bands, and uh, it's nice to see a, a different side of them rather than, like, you know, oh, how do you guys write songs? <laughs> so it's nice to, you know, like, uh, bands like uh, uh, Red Fang and Dillinger Escape Plan. I think that one of the things that, that sort of hit me was that uh, this book could have been just written forever. <laughs> you, you mentioned yeah. that in the book. Every band has a, every band that's toured. It could be a self updated, like an updated a, website or something. Well, really. countless yeah. there'll be yeah. countless pressings with editions. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. But I, yeah, we. I basically at some point I had to say I had to like you know kill it and say okay we got to stop here because everybody's got a story. And then even after I put the book out, I had people sending me stories. Just like, ah, oh, well, this is what happened to me, though. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, cool. And did you find? Why did you not send me this story like two years ago when I asked yeah, you, you clown? Yeah. But uh, you know what I mean. It's like that, that's this is a book that could just go on and on and on. So we had to have a kill point. Yeah. And, um, it took two and a half years to do. So at some point, I was just like, wow, oh, really? Stop it. Well, from sort of like conception, the idea to it coming out, like the idea I had, um, when I was on tour with Sapala Carnage, hmm. and then. Just whatever. I mean, a month later, I ran into Justin at a show. His band was playing in Toronto. And he was like, so I was telling him the story about it. And he was like, well, if you can write that, I'll put it out. Justin being the co-author. He, I, Is he in Cephalic Carnage? No, he's in um, Graf Orlock, Dangers, and um, Ghost Limb. Okay. And he he runs that label, Vitriol Records. Right, that put out the book. Right, so he was like, if you can write that, I'll put it out. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And I've never, you know, I write, but I've never written a book. So I didn't really know what I had to do. But your um, writing style is is uh, the same as all, everything I've read. I mean, I've read you. Uh, I've read you did for you years. Music journalism and stuff. Anything, or was it all just sort of like? No, well, um, I mean, what I do for a living is I I freelance. I write for like all the metal magazines. Oh, and right, stuff, yeah, and, yeah um, of course, a bunch of non-metal magazines too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not so metal magazines really which ones uh, i write for magnet um oh i didn't and, know uh, that and uh what's the other one alternative press alternative press okay. um I, I also write for uh oddly enough like the weekly newspaper in spokane washington uh, <laughs> always interesting you know like for freelancers I've, that's what they do i've never man. been to Sp- i've never yeah. even i've never been to spokane but i've somehow got the in there and i like write occasionally yeah. for them when they need someone to write about like metal or comedy or something well then and then the metal magazines terrorizer terrorizer decibel metal maniacs i used to well when well, it was around metal hammer um right. outburn i don't even i can't even remember half the mm-hmm. time so you ever write brian puts in his bio i know but i interviewed him once how's that he was cool. He's a cool guy. I saw him open for Slayer at uh, Fun 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 Fest two years ago. Does his metal That's knowledge cool. go deeper than Slayer? Um, to a certain extent, he he will admit that he's mostly into like older stuff, like eighties thrash, Saxon. And maybe not like power metal, but he's mm-hmm. mostly into thrash and stuff. So, because I asked him about that violence, does it go down to that? I'm not sure. I mean, I asked him. One of the questions I asked him when I interviewed him is like, okay, when you were growing up as a kid, or not necessarily growing up as a kid, but you, you now as a comedian signed to Relapse Records, like as somebody who doesn't even play music, did you ever think he'd be signed to Relapse? He's like, and that kind of like took him in the direction of like, well, I wasn't really a fan of like Relapse's mm-hmm. grind stuff. I was more uh-huh. into. You know, right? Exodus, Slayer, well, that's good. nuclear salt, whatever, right? When you're someone like him, don't you think that you're also at that weird point where because you're this sort of icon of like a metal comedian to some extent, you know, or an, uh, 
you're just having bands coming up to you constantly anyway. So that's keeping you in the loop about certain music. Because I know when I would see him around, it's like people from like Municipal Waste, he'd be hanging out with them, you know? And like, right. it, so. But they it, kind of fall in the kind of genre. Yeah, they're closer to what all about. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you yes. the one thing about you having to put a, a stop, you know, a lock on it and stuff. I mean, did you find that there were, with this kind of thing, that there were sort of these uh, repeat things that would kind of right. show up very oh. often in the stories? Like, well, Yeah, I mean, definitely. And what's, I think that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, like themes. Uh, themes. Themes, like recurrent themes. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to show was that yeah. um, even if it's a negative or a positive, that... You know, there are certain things that if you're going to do this, I didn't you know. Like I said, I mean, this this book didn't wasn't designed to have a point. But I think one of the points that showed up was that if you're going to do this, you know, these are the things to look out for. Like, you know, um, the whole thing about Americans coming back to the U.S. You know, if you've never you know, if you're going on your first tour out of the U.S. or you've never left the U.S., which a lot of American people haven't, um, you know, be prepared that coming home might be a bit more of a hassle than you realize. Or, you know, the whole thing about, <clears throat> there's a, there's actually a part in there about like how to go about doing it legit, mm-hmm. about like getting the proper paperwork, about, um, you know, all that. That's really important. Whatever stuff, like joining them. What do you have to do? You have to join the musicians union yeah, in order to get your, yeah, P1, that, that yeah, whole thing. That stuff. Like, you know, there's, so yeah, I mean, when stuff repeats like that, that's the stuff that you should also be aware of too. I mean, you know, it's not just horror stories. It, I think and I wanted a- to compare and contrast that too. You've done things legit from the start, so yeah. you know, right? I mean, yeah. I never did anything legit. But then again, every t- all the touring I ever did as a band was all done before 9-11 when it was like the borders yeah, were like wild whatever. West. I mean, yeah. it didn't matter. I mean, you could still get screwed, but it was much more random. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Honestly, I, 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 the moment I knew that, you know, the, the band I was in had potential to like tour, I curbed my behavior at home like I wouldn't. You know, if you want to like cuss out some guy, you get into a, 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 a fight with or a spat with. What were you like before this? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> but you, you just—I mean—you just think twice, you know, as to your behavior because it could affect your record. And so, uh, right from the start, I, I, I've been—we've all been really super cautious about that. So, I mean, I, my my stories that I had to give you weren't all that juicy because I've been watching my back since day one. We all. We, we all have. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have some of the... Well, you also need to know that, you know, if you want to do this, you do have to kind of watch your back. And there's that story in there about Ben from Dillinger Escape Plan talking about how he went into, um, him and a friend went into, uh, what was that big abandoned mental hospital in New Jersey? To just take pictures of it because it's like a ghost town. And he got charged with trespassing. And the first thing that comes to mind when he got picked up by the cops was, yeah. man, how is this going to affect me getting into Canada? Because yeah. we're supposed that's their, one of their best markets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 really that's what I mean when I you know curb my behavior. Maybe uh, maybe brawls were the was the wrong thing. To, to <laughs> I think you said spats. Actually, spats. you almost said brawls, paused, and said spats. Well, you know so, these, these things can escalate. You know, and I suffer yeah. from road rage on when I'm driving my car. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I so, hear you. It's, it's like so the, you just watch yourself, and I've just you know it doesn't mean the anger subsides, but you just like keep it inside. 
because you don't want the tour to well, fuck from up. here on yeah. out i'm gonna start living a less brawly lifestyle <laughs> so that <laughs> just to make sure my brawly record is okay because i, I don't you're know. still on the road nick or you still can be on the I road i still can be yeah i Being haven't gotten in any trouble I can oh and your new band wrong hole there you go. Wrong hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Is that how we ended? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on, dude. Good to see you again. Good to see you again.